And good morning and welcome. So glad you're here. My name is Nathan. I'm the campus pastor here at the Olathe campus of Christ Community. Uh, it's good to be together. It's good to continue on in this story, Deliver Us, as we've been uh, looking at uh, the life of Moses. Okay, so I, I'm about to prove to you once and for all how weird I really am. Um, and, and for some of you, like if you've been around for a while, you think you know how weird I am. Uh, but this morning, I'm going I'm to turn it up to 11. Okay, we're going to go ahead and go there. Um, in fact, for some of you, I'm going to cross this invisible line uh, from thoughtfully introspective uh, to freakishly morbid, okay? Uh, but here goes anyway. I, I have been thinking for quite some time uh, what it would be like to build my own coffin. Um, this is as far as I've gotten, just for the record. So this is a, kind of a, a new thing. Um, just one board, but I've been thinking about it for, for quite some time, and I don't, I don't have a death wish, okay? I like life. I, uh, I believe fundamentally as a Christian that uh, we were never meant to die, that death is, a, is an imposter. It, it has come in, broken into this world because of our, of our sin uh, and, and rebellion, okay? And so I don't have a death wish, uh, but I have been thinking about what it would what it'd be like to build a little pine box about, you know, yay, there's actually do-it-yourself plants online. You, I've, I've done a little bit, just a tiny bit of of research here. I've even been thinking maybe it'd be a good men's ministry event, right? We can just, we'll provide the wood and the pizza. All right, fine, fine. All right. I know, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm weird. Um, partially, partially I've thought about this because I'm cheap, okay? So that's just part of it. I was like, I've, you know, I can do this for way cheaper than anybody else. Uh, partially because I don't particularly like the idea of being buried in something that looks like a small cruise ship, right? It's so, you know, imposing, right? But mostly because I am convinced that the experience, you know, something about it, uh, as well as the constant reminder, and that, that to me, actually, that's the hang-up, is like, where do, you, where do you keep this after it's done, right? The garage. I mean, really, like, it, coffee table, you know, it, Kelly and I haven't talked about it. This isn't, this isn't a well-formed idea for me, uh, and yet I, I am convinced but seeing this, touching this, smelling this, that it would change me. And believe me, I don't like to think about death any more than you do, okay? I, I assure you of that. And yet I mentioned this a couple of months ago that uh, earlier this year I was at a conference where a guy told a room full of pastors that one of my primary responsibilities as your pastor is to help you die well. And for me to, to lead the way, right, as we we do life together. So I've got to ask, I don't particularly want to, but I feel like I have to, are you preparing today to finish well tomorrow? Am I living my life in, in such a way, right, uh, that is in, in light of, of what this inevitable reality is that, that is coming ahead? Am I making decisions? Are, are things reflected? Am I living in light of tomorrow? But instead, here's how I, how I think we, we tend to do it, how we approach it. Uh, Kelly and I, on our vacation, we listened to comedian Jim Gaffigan's uh, newest book, Food, A Love Story. It's like a long love letter to food. If you're as obsessed with food as, as I am, it's just absolutely brilliant. You've got you've to read it. He's, he's hilarious. Uh, but at one point, he starts talking about death, which kind of is random, right, because it's a book about food. But I think he got there by talking about, like, food you eat at funerals. This is kind of the path, he got, but it's all about food. Um, but he essentially said about death that... that you and I, for most of us, you know, like, for example, when we, we hear about a celebrity dying, you know, we hear about it in the news, you know, our first thought is, oh, that's too bad. 
quickly, quickly followed with this almost subtle afterthought of, I'm sure glad that's never going to happen to me. Right? I mean, that, that tends to be our approach. Somewhere inside, I'm convinced I'm going to live forever. Now, again, I wouldn't bring this up if I didn't have to. Uh, but we are in the midst of, of studying the life of Moses this summer. And as Chris uh, so gloomily reminded us, school starts this week. Sorry, kids. Summer, by that, by that calendar, summer's over, right? And what good biography doesn't end with the death of the subject it's been studying? And so here we are at Moses' final days. And as we've looked at Moses' life, hopefully you've picked up over these several weeks together that Moses is not the hero of the story, right? God is the hero. He is the one who continually acts to to redeem and to rescue his people. Moses is far from perfect. He needs a savior just as much as you and I do. And we'll even see that there's there's regret and disappointment even, even with him to his grave. Far from perfect. And yet it's so clear when we come to the end of his story that here is a person who lived in light of the question, am I preparing today to finish well? tomorrow. He didn't make his own coffin, but he was ready when the time came. I want to be ready. Let me pray for us as we uh, begin to look at this old story. God, we are here because we uh, need to hear from you. Um, whether we realize it or not, God, that is, that is why we're here. We are desperate for words of life from you, not from me, uh, but from you, from your word. And so I pray that you'd speak. God, we all come here this morning in different ways. Some of us come uh, in the midst of just great joy and things are, things are going wonderfully. Others of us are in the pit and it feels like life is closing in around us. God, others with belief and trust, with hope in you, that you have an answer to this problem. And others of us with deep skepticism, unbelief. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray, I ask that you would speak to each one of us in whatever way we need this morning, that we would hear from you and that you would change us. And God, I pray that you'd be with me as I preach these words. I pray that I would preach as a dying man to dying people, but with great hope in you, Lord Jesus. So be glorified, we pray now. Amen. Okay, so by the time we get to Deuteronomy 34... That's where we're at this morning. If you want to follow along in your Bible, I invite you to do that. You can turn there, Deuteronomy 34. It's the fifth book of the Bible, so you can kind of thumb through and find it. But by the time we get to this section, right, into Moses' final moments, he has spent uh, 40 years as the prince of Egypt, uh, 40 years as a nobody shepherd in the wilderness, and 40 years now leading God's people. And when we get to Deuteronomy 34, he decides to basically just kind of go off on a hike by himself. He climbs to the Mount of, uh, of uh, Nebo in the Pisgah Mountains. It's 4,500 feet. It's not bad for 120 years old, right? In fact, maybe that's like cause of death, right? Um, but no, the author actually tells us that his eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. He hadn't slowed down one bit. And so up there on top of the mountain, God shows Moses the promised land. This is, this is everything, right? This is what it's all been building toward, towards. Uh, these are the promises of God that he made hundreds of years before. That It's what they've been wandering for 40 years to get to. And Moses, he sees it all. And the Lord said to him, this is the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring 
This is likely what he saw. Here's the, the view from Mount Nebo today. I mean, so close to the promises of God, he can almost reach out and grab them. This is the fulfillment of his life's work. Right? This is, this is the great climax for him. Everything has been building to this moment. And I, I can't help but wonder if he's, he's standing up there looking out and he's thinking back over the last 120 years and particularly these last 40, leading God's people and the, the pain of that, the frustration, the disappointment, his own failures and regrets, as well as the, the miracles that they, they saw along the way. All of them now sort of as he examines his life's work, God's people about to enter the land. And if he just lasted a couple days longer, he would have gone with them into the land, tasting these promises. But it wasn't to be. Verse 5. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. According to the word of the Lord. I don't know if that statement comforts you or freaks you out a little bit, or maybe, maybe a little bit of both, but the reality is God knows how and when it's going to end for each of us. There will be no surprises for him. He's not going to be cut off guard. There's no, there's no oops. He, he knows how and when. And I think this is, uh, from this story, I think this is one of the first keys for us for finishing well to acknowledge both to myself as well as to my God that he's got this. And by this, I mean my life and my death in his hands. And that ultimately, there's really nothing I can do about it except to live in light of this inevitable reality. Now, certainly, we're responsible to live wise, healthy lives, right? To seek medical treatment when best and all of that. Nobody should go and jump off a mountain and think, well, if it's, it's my time, it's okay. That's not, that's not what's going on here. And Job, he wisely reminds us. He says, a person's days are determined. You, God, have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. I just finished reading the most uh, recent Pulitzer Prize winner in, in fiction. It's a novel called All the Light We Cannot See. Uh, and it's a, a beautiful, terrible story. It centers upon this, this blind girl primarily uh, living through, in Europe through World War II. It's, it's dark and beautiful. I mean, it's kind of what you'd expect from a Pulitzer in a lot of ways. It's really, really good. And there's one point in the story, it's, it's really like, it's not a main part. In fact, it was just sort of easy to pass over and not even, not even see at all, except it jumped off the page uh, for me. Um, the, the narrator was describing one particular soldier, just some random guy, really, and, and nobody in, as far as the whole narrative is concerned, but describes the kind of barber he would have become if he hadn't, and this is what, it, what the author writes, if, if he hadn't already been scheduled to die on the beaches of Normandy. And there was just something about that phrase, right, that just, it, I read that and it took the, the air right out of my lungs. Makes it a little, too, a little too real, right, a little too personal to think that on some divine schedule book, I have a point, an appointment with death that I can be neither late nor early for. But it is coming. It kind of makes me squirm just a little bit, doesn't it? 
And yet it's all about whose appointment book we're talking about, isn't it? Now, no, no, don't misunderstand this. Uh, I, hope, I hope you hear this part here. That death is the enemy, okay? Death, death was never meant to, to be a part of our world. We were meant to live forever. That death is an imposter that is brought in as a, as a result of our rebellion against God. That, that is the ultimate consequence of our sin. We were never meant to die. But does that mean now that, that death is in charge, that death is sort of arbitrary or capricious? Or is it in the hands of a God who loves us? Who promises to take care of us? If you want to finish well, you have to live in light of the day that is coming. For every person in this room. It may be soon, it may be long, but it's coming. And to live live in light, this is something... You know, it's not a matter of, of, of being haunted by it or controlled by it, right? You don't, you don't have to go out and, and build a coffin and hang it somewhere in your house. That's, that's not it. But we can't, we can't be naive about it either. Instead, we cry out with the psalmist, who, I love this. Moses is actually the one writing this psalm, Psalm 90. He says in 90 verse 12, Teach us, God, to number our days, that way we may get a heart of wisdom. Now, for Moses, God actually takes it like one step further. I'm really glad he doesn't do, it, do this for, for all of us. Um, I, would, I would not want to know, but God actually tells Moses that this is how it's going to end. I mean, he essentially says to Moses, hey, uh, friend, uh, go climb this mountain. You're going to die up there. And I think I probably would have been like, um, no. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not even going to go near that mountain, right? I'm going to do anything I possibly can to, and yet Moses, right, step after step and staff in hand, you see him climbing slowly, knowing, knowing what's in store for him up there. Now, again, he was far from perfect. Disappointment, regret, terrible sins. We'll see that in just a moment. this, This wasn't what Moses had dreamed. And the last thing I want is for us to idolize this guy, but he was ready, faithful to the very end. I mean, there's not a, not a hint of, of self-pity here or even the, the tiniest bit of slowing down. His life ends with things in order. He's already passed the baton of leadership on to Joshua, right? This guy, he's been gre- grooming sort of the, to take his place and to continue leading God's people. And, and just before this great hike, Moses preaches a, a series of sermons to God's people. Really, it's his, his last words. Much of Deuteronomy, really, is, are these last sermons. Let me just read a few verses of them. This is in chapter 30 of Deuteronomy. Really, his final words to, to God's people. He says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear it, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. And so, I mean, he's like, you can picture it, right? I've set before you two things, right? Life and death, blessings and curse. Choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life. He is your life. 
And, and if he is your life, and not, not, not part of your life, right? Not even the most important part of your life, but if he is the sum total of who you are, the very core of your identity, I mean, if, if, if that's what he is to us. I mean, you see, here's what Moses knew, right? As he, as he climbs this mountain, knowing what's up there waiting for him, he knows that God wants our first, our best, our last, everything, all of it, all that we are and all that we have. I mean, God doesn't want to be your hobby or my hobby, right? He's not going to put up with that. Something that we can kind of get out and dust off whenever we feel like it when we're in the mood. He doesn't just want your Sunday mornings or maybe if you're really spiritual, your quiet times. He's, he doesn't just want that. He wants all of it. He's, he's not into being fire insurance or a cosmic vending machine to dispense, you know, favors here and there. He doesn't want to be our security blanket. He wants all of us. Everything we are, first breath and last one and every single one in between. I mean, kids, for example, you're not, you know, I, you know, like when you're so young, it's hard to even imagine that this has anything to do with you, right? And, but the reality, you're not waiting for your life to begin, okay? Uh, that may be the song from the movie Tangled. That, that's, that's not us. That's not, who, that's not who you are. You're not waiting for that. And students, um, what are you waiting for? I mean, I can remember so clearly as a high school student, I mean, I, literally having conversations with myself in my mind of, of saying, you know, when I, when I get older, then I'll start to take Jesus seriously. When I get just a little bit, a little bit older, right? And then, then I'll start paying attention to who he is. It took me years to realize how foolish that line of thinking was. God wants all of me now everything. And he wants all of you and all that you are and every decision and every desire and goal and heartache, all of it. Maybe, maybe you're past that. So maybe you're thinking, you know, once I get married or once we have kids or once the kids get just a little bit older or once the kids move out uh, or once I, I get settled in my career or get that next promotion or retire or, or feel better or have more time. I mean, what are we going to say when there's no time left? When the clock just keeps ticking, then what? If you want to die well, you have got to live well. There's no other way. And that begins today. Not That's some different time and some theoretical future that we may or may not actually have. Now, and there are no shortcuts. There are no easy answers. Am I preparing today, today, right now, to finish well tomorrow? And if you knew that you were going to die tomorrow, or next week, or next month, or whatever, but if you knew for sure that that was going to happen, what would change? What would you do differently? What conversations would you have? Who would you apologize to, or forgive, or just tell them that you love them? How would you pray? What legacy would you seek to leave even in those final moments? And what's, what's stopping me from living that way now? If it's all his anyway, all of it, everything, first, best, last, and everything else, and if you can trust him with your life, then can I trust him with my death? Can I climb that mountain? Can I build that stupid pine box, right? Can I know that when the day comes, I'll be ready? Maybe not happy about it, but ready. If he is my life, I mean, truly, if he is my identity, if he, if he is who I am, then he can have my death. 
<sighs> okay, so some of you are thinking at this point, well, thanks a lot, Nathan, that's great, really helpful. Um, so what you're basically saying is we're mostly perfect and it should all be fine and yada, yada. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Um, well, you're welcome, first of all. Um, but that's, that's not what I'm saying. That's not, that's not at all what's happening in the story, not even from Moses. This, this guy that is such an important part, right, of, of God's people's history. It's not about being perfect. Look at, look at Moses. Look at his final moments here. I mean, this leaps off the page to me that even there on the mountain, he's filled with regret that, that he faces his deathbed with disappointment, with mistakes. This is, not, this is not how he wanted to go. This isn't how he wanted it to end. I mean, it leaps, leaps off the page of the story. I mean, basically God says, here's the land, here's the promise, take a good long look. I have let you see it with your eyes but you shall not go over there. You see, there was this terrible day a ways back um, when Moses essentially took credit for something that God was doing. It was kind of a moment like, uh, hey, Israel, aren't God and me awesome? Um, and mostly me, right? Uh, one of those sort of things. And the result of his presumptuous ways, the, the result of his sin against God um, is that he can only see the land. He's, he's not allowed to go in. Well, certainly God had forgiven his sins, just, just as he forgives us our sins through faith, right? He, he does that. And yet sometimes, and we know this too, don't we? Sometimes the consequences of our sin linger with us for a lifetime. And sometimes you and I die with regret. Sometimes we carry disappointment all the way to the grave, just, just like Moses did. I mean, think about it. The joy of having brought God's people right to the edge, his life's work, I mean, literally spread out before him, mingled with the stinging sorrow of regret. And so what does he do? I mean, does he plead with God? That's, I mean, I kind of think that, right? God, can I just have a little more time, right? A couple more days, a few more weeks. Let me, let me make this right, God. I'll, I'll do whatever you ask. Or does he, does he respond with terror, right? Knowing that he's about to meet his maker, the God that he has betrayed, face to face in just a moment. None of that. How is that possible? Well, do you see his epitaph in the text? This little kind of statement describing him? What's it say? It's like Moses, the, the prince of Egypt, or Moses, the lowly shepherd, Moses, the murderer, Moses, the failure. No, it just says Moses, the servant of the Lord. His failures don't define him. Neither do his successes, for that matter. Simply this, he served Yahweh. Listen, and Moses... He, he knew this, right? Right on the cusp of meeting his maker. Meeting God isn't quite as scary when you've already met him. You can't miss that in this story. I mean, yes, death is scary. Some of us in this room know a whole lot more about this process than I do. It's a scary process, right? And the idea of, of going through the dying providence. I'm afraid. And yet realizing that if this is the God I get to meet, one that I already know, that I, I have a relationship with, one who I, I know loves me and cares for me, then it's, it's a little bit less scary. And look at Moses, verse, verse 10. Here's what it says about him. It says, And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, 
whom the Lord knew face to face. I mean, not simply that Moses knew God, but God knew Moses. It isn't just about who you know, right? It's about who knows you. And Moses knew this God and was known by him. And if you've, if you've met this God on his terms, right, which is it's through his son Jesus, if you have met him, if you have a relationship, if you have given your life to him, there's hope here, even, even in the fear. And he waits for you with joy. And even though death is the enemy, he longs to take you home. He longs to make you whole, to make it, to make it right, to make your world right, to, to give back everything that you've lost, everything that was taken away from you or the mistakes that you've made, to, to redeem it, to fix it, to, to actually make us whole, to make our world whole, to make things as they always, as they always should have been. There's nothing that we can do to earn it, no amount of, of good works or self-denial or church attendance, right, or perfect prayers. Not even Moses could cut it. But simply this, the author of Hebrews in the New Testament kind of describes it for us. He says, for Moses, he says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the sons of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, and he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. By faith, by faith, by faith. When you cast your faith on God, and faith in, in the Bible, that's, that's, your, that's your heart's trust, right? It's your, your affections. It's the, the seat of the will and the emotions. It's, it's giving him everything. When we do that, death and sin no longer get the last word in our lives. Oh, sure, they hurt us, and sure, they're, they're coming for us, but they don't speak last anymore, and that begins to change us now, and it changes us forever, and when you die, I mean, if this is your story, when you die, you will stand in the presence of the God, yes, who knows you intimately. He knows every mistake you've made, it, even the, the most shameful parts of my heart that I don't want anyone to, he knows all of that, and yet he loves us so much that he, he crossed heaven and earth just to be close to you and, and died and rose again so that he could be near you, so that you could be near him forever. That is the one that you will meet. That's how I want to go. Of course, I don't want to die. Of course not. Who does? And yet, unless Jesus comes back, this is the path that every one of us is on. Sooner or later, I want it to be a little bit like this. When I come to die, when I, when I climb up on that mountain, when I settle into my pine box, I want to go reaching for the promises of God. The servant of the Lord, known, known by him. So let me ask it again. Are you preparing today to finish well tomorrow? Let me, let me just suggest a simple next step with this. Um, whether, whether you're young or old, right? Because this is for all of us. Whether, whether you believe any of this stuff or not, because, again, we still have to answer these questions, even if you don't believe that there's any hope in death, right? Or, or any of these things matter to us. We, we still have to wrestle with the end that, that's coming for us. And so, simple next step. Um, get a hammer and some wood and, um, no, sorry. Lost the moment there. Um, nothing, nothing that creepy. Sorry. That was bad. Um, 
Simply this, look at your heart and your life and just wrestle with these questions. Am I living today in light of what I believe about tomorrow? Like truly living out what I think is, is coming, both, both the good and the bad. What, what this story says about ultimate reality and who I am and, and what, where it's all headed. Are we living that way? And what would I change if I knew that the end was coming? I started working on this um, before vacation, and we were gone a couple weeks. I've been thinking about this, this passage in particular for about a month, and just wrestling through this for my own, my life. What, what does that look like for me? And for some of you, if you don't have hope in, in Christ, then um, maybe that's the next step for you, is simply to say, God, maybe, maybe this is what I want. And the answer here, it's not, it's not to like, be more like Moses, right? To muscle up enough courage. and be, No, it's to trust the God that Moses trusted, right? To get to know the one that he knew. Maybe today is the day you take that step. For others of us, maybe you've already done that. Maybe it's just a renewed commitment or a change in pattern or, or lifestyle. Maybe it's, it's as simple as making a, an a effort to pursue this God that you will most certainly meet. To get to know him, right? To get to know him a little bit along the way so that when you get there, you'll be, you'll be a little bit readier. I mean, I think what I'm ultimately saying, and this is what I've been wrestling with this past month, I, I want to live as if there's a coffin hanging in my garage. Whether I actually build one or not, that, that's what I want my life to be. I, I want to live in light with, with constant sobriety, that this is where it's headed. Um, and yet, at the same time, with joyful anticipation, because that pine box isn't going to keep me. It's not going to hold me down. Because the reality is, everything we've just said, it's all, it's all just whatever, empty. We can talk about faith and commitment and finishing well till we're blue in the face. But unless God has actually done something about the problem that we all face, which is death, right, that is coming for, unless he's, unless he's made a way, then it's just empty talk. But let me tell you why Jesus is so much better than Moses. I mean, more than just a prophet, more than just a good teacher or a good leader, he is God with us, and he also climbed up on a mountain, knowing what was there for him. But not just to see the promises to, of God, but to fulfill every promise God has ever made. And not just to die, but to die for, for me, to die for us, to die in such a way that, that in our place, that, that there is hope. And he didn't stay dead. I mean, I forget how amazing that is. Right? We're so used to that, that our God became a man died, was buried 2,000 years ago and came back to life, and he still lives. He's alive today. He's here with us. He's, he's within us, all who, who believe and trust in him, that he is here, and he will not just walk us to the grave, but he will walk us through it. And there is no pine box that can hold us down, no grave strong enough. If, if this is our story, there's always hope. And so we can say with the psalmist, yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, ref, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He is with us. Prepare today to finish well tomorrow. Let me pray. God, these are hard words. God, we know, whether we believe any of this stuff or not, God, I think we know deep down in the core of who we are that we were never meant to die. The longings that we feel uh, the desperation, the, the, the continual desire to fight for life, 
God, we weren't meant for this path. And yet here we are. And yet, God, I praise you that you have not left us where we are. That you have made a way that even though it is still ugly and painful and frightening to the core, that there is hope because you have conquered death, that you have walked out of the grave, and because of that, I can also walk out of the grave. That I can know, that I can believe, God, with, with hope that death does not get the final word. God, I pray that you would comfort us. Give us joy, God, even in the midst of pain. God, and give us a commitment, a trust, beyond even our own understanding. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen.